Hello, and welcome to The Blueprint, lifestyle design podcast, unpacking and applying creative design principles to help you live your maximized life. And now, ready to help you design and build your ultimate awesome future, here's your host, Andrew Lord. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Blueprint. Can you believe it? We are up to episode 40. It's a very special episode, very special number. If you look at the significance of the number 40 in biblical times, Jesus was tested and tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. Um, The Israelites, the Jewish people, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Noah was uh, in the ark for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, he was in there longer than that, but it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. If you look at a typical pregnancy, it goes for 40 weeks. And in you know literary sources, you're looking at 40 as a number that represents resistance. Alibaba had to face uh, 40 thieves in uh in his challenges so it's kind of appropriate here on episode 40 that we are dealing with some tough themes there are a lot of people doing it tough right now there's a lot of people facing challenges facing trials and i said it last week on my interview with Ina mullen from lifeline you need to check that out if you haven't heard it but how we handle challenges ultimately determines our character So this week I'm talking with a dear old friend of mine, Mark Glover. We've been friends. We haven't caught up for a long, long time. But, you know, when you're friends with someone in your 20-somethings, it seems like that's a friendship that uh, it's a defining season, I guess, in your life. And um, so uh, I feel connected with him even after all of these years. And uh, he has struggled with varying levels of anxiety and depression for most of his adult life. And as you'll hear in this interview, interview, Uh, He's been through some ups and downs, um, but most importantly, he's learned ways to get better at recognizing what's happened and what's going on for him, and even more importantly, how to handle that. And he has gone above and beyond for us for this episode. He's produced a, a guide, Try Not to Panic, 10 Ways to Overcome Anxiety and Depression. It's a fantastic guide and I highly recommend it and he's put a lot of work into it. And just below wherever you're listening to this interview, you'll be able to download that for free and also be able to go and check out some of the other work that Mark is doing as well. Now, as I said, this is an interview where we have not caught up for a long time. So it was a very, very long interview. I've had to edit it down, but hopefully you're going to find a lot of value in it. So let's not wait any longer. Let's get into this interview. Welcome everybody to The Blueprint. I am so excited today. I've got my friend Mark, uh, a great old friend from uh, from university days. We haven't connected in a long, long time, but I've been seeing some of the stuff that he's been posting on uh, social media and just think that it's really encouraging and really exciting what he's doing. So I thought it'd be great to bring him on here and have a chat. Uh, I've been running around in the bush all day and uh, he's just got back from, how long was your hike? Um, 70 Ks. 70 Ks. He's just got back from a 70 K hike. So we've got heaps to share just about those things, let alone the last 20 years that we haven't um, <laughs> caught up on. So let's, let's get straight into this. Can you update me? Like what's been, what's been going <laughs> what, on for you? What have, I, what have I been doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of standing still for the last <laughs> 25 years, yeah. really, um, in a lot of ways, like, um, in terms of a lot of things, you know, like I'm still 
no, never been married, no kids. Um, but I've had other things that have sort of other, other sort of, uh, objectives that I sort of work towards and I've done a lot of travel, done a, lived overseas for, uh, 12 years in England. Um, yeah. Gone sort of two, through two or three careers. I worked in retail for probably about 10 years after leaving the university. Mm. Yeah. And then went into, eventually got tired of that, went overseas, started working in hospitality, ran mm. um, bars and hostels, a hostel chain and bars. Mm. So I worked all over, worked in England, in Cornwall and in Edinburgh mm. and eventually wound up managing the Edinburgh side. And mm. then, yeah, after 12 years of that, decided to throw it all in and come back to Australia. And mm. um, at that point, I was, I enjoyed that sort of lifestyle of hospitality, but it was, I found it was a bit sort of unsustainable, I guess, mm. in, in terms of, you know, like you're really, it's a lot, it is a lifestyle. And I still have friends who, do, who work in that industry, but it is a lifestyle in terms of you're working very late hours, getting, it's very unsociable, you know, so you, your odds of sort of meeting someone outside of your sort of social circle are quite sort of limited. So I guess mm. it was probably the deciding factor um, was sort of really, I didn't want to be 50 and doing that. And mm. uh, so I went back, um, I sort of looked at the aspects of the job I enjoyed and it turned out that I enjoyed working with young people because I had a lot of young staff and I enjoyed yeah. training people and I enjoyed the interaction. And then I looked around and I was like, well, I've actually been hiding away from my actual career for <laughs> the better yeah. part of 30 years, you know, like, um, which is what I graduated in, which was teaching. So yeah, I went back and they rubber stamped me and uh, put me through. And I was like, well, I was a bit surprised about that, but um, I don't know whether I'd, tr I don't know whether I'd trust a plumber who had spent sort of 20 years away from his uh, craft. But when you yeah. do, I guess when you come into it, you sort of realize that it's not really the, the learning is on the job, you know, it is, a, it is, a, it is a job and it, yeah. you do learn 90 to 99%. So, you know, mm. the knowledge is you pick it up as you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when the time that I knew you, I've always thought of you as a, a real people person and mm. um, someone who enjoys not just um, having relationships and, and connecting with other people, but also examining those like you, yeah. you're a real think well you were a real thinker i'm guessing the same i can tell from your you know your social media posts it it's um they're they're longer than most other people yeah. uh, bother putting putting time into they're really thoughtful and i really like that i think if you're going to yeah. bother saying something say it well yeah, yeah. Uh, i love i that. think they, i think they're getting better now that i'm not i don't have the sort of uh 30s anger Used to be a lot of anger in the 30s yeah yeah <laughs> anger at the world i think it's sort of more i try to be more constructive now I try to sort of uh, you know yeah. think about what i'm saying rather than just sort of venting i mean mm. occasionally it gets through but yeah i think once you get your yeah. feelings you really sort of start to realize what life's about i guess yeah. mm. i work with a lot of people um in that sort of late 30s early 40s kind of who uh get to that point and think they look around and go you know really is this is this all life's all about you know um and they have um they've kind of done what they're supposed to do they, they've sort of followed a yeah you know a script so to speak do you feel that you've done that it doesn't sound like it within that you've gone overseas and you've done hospitality do you th think that you're out of the box or yeah, I think, I think I sort of avoided the script for a long time. I mean, some, yeah. some of it was choice. Some of it was, you know, the marriage thing. I mean, I had relationships, but they just, 
I mean, when you're overseas and you're working in that type of industry, they do just, you know, a couple of years and then, you know, you sort of, mm. people aren't really there for the long term, you know, especially sort of the industry I worked in was a lot of tourists and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And that type of thing. But um, yeah, it, you sort of, yeah, I guess you sort of really sort of have to remold the script then for yourself. I already had an interesting situation, I suppose, when I, when I, when I hit my, um, you know, mid forties, um, like, I'm about 43 actually um i started seeing someone who was a lot older than me and um mm. which I've, I've never really age has never really been a thing for me but i suppose it gave me it was very interesting because she had never been married and she had an amazingly full life and i suppose it kind of i never really thought of it at the time and that's not the reason for the relationship it was really valuable in that i sort of had this choice where i could look around and go well what do i do now mm. <laughs> you know like i've had all the the fun and the good times and you know but what is there what's the next step in terms mm. of i don't have children I, I haven't had a marriage you know a lot of things like housing and stuff like that i've never i mean she'd achieve all those things but you know she was like a baby burner but mm. um but yeah it sort of gave me a perspective on things and it really re made me realize that you can actually have quite a full life without sort of achieve different ways and there's different means i suppose of getting to the goal i suppose is what i'm sort of pointing at is there's, yeah like, definitely. there's different there's different ways and yeah like you know by anyone's definition um my life is quite different but i suppose it's still the same goal and the same goal is happiness you know and yeah. that's what i found interesting about that was and I, I i do find with people i you know i don't intentionally go out and think oh what well, i'm going to learn from that person but you do learn from everyone you know like mm. And that's what I'm about, you know, is trying to learn from everyone. Do you mind me asking, like, I know you mentioned, you know, some of the anger posts in the in yeah. your 30s and, um, you know, you, you've been fairly open with some of your struggles that you've faced over the years. Do you mind sharing a little bit um, about some of the tough stuff? Um, the mental health? Um, yeah, well, I've suffered with depression and anxiety really ever since, I mean, probably all my life, really, when I think realistically about it, like, mm. um, I think probably moving from overseas when I was quite young, sort of had quite a big impact and probably more than I thought. And there was a period there when I really didn't connect with anyone. When mm. I met with you guys, I mean, I really had, I remember being forced to, um, I think my parents are probably quite worried about me. And I was, for, I was literally forced to go to be in a, group residence, which I, I had no, I didn't want to be there. I, I literally had no, I remember I'm even crying like in the first night, just thinking, God, like mm. how selfish can you, you put me in this thing that I don't want to be. And I thought I was fine. Mm. I was clearly, clearly not very fine. Mm. So I stopped connecting with people and I was just living in my own world, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was revelatory because I mean, you know, like essentially I met all you guys and made a whole bunch of friends and it was probably the most significant period of my life that really sort of set sort of re-established that connection with people because i maybe yeah. spent two or three years of not really connecting with people mm. you just kind of got tired of moving and tired of meeting new people and it was just too much work so i just sort of moved into watching heaps of movies and mm. losing myself in music which is fine you know but um there is a point i suppose at which you don't want to have that complete disconnect from society because i think it's very hard to get back into that you know yeah and being a people person you know i guess they probably saw what was happening you know mm. with me and there'd been changes there mm. but um yeah since 
I mean, since then I've sort of had, uh, again, after university, I had like a big breakdown um, when I was in my probably 21. Hmm. Probably just a really tough time uh, leaving uni or sort of things were sort of wrapping up at uni and um, yeah, just sort of things caught up on me and just, yeah, I just had a massive breakdown. And that took, it was just mostly anxiety and panic attacks and stuff, which I'd never experienced. I mean, panic attacks experience them for the first time is terrifying. You think, mm. you just think your world's falling apart and, and you're never going to be the same, especially because mm. the, the image of people who've got mental health problems is, is abysmal, you know, like it's, well, you're going to become a crazy and they're going to put you in a, in a home and, you know, all these things. And then, um, yeah, and I got through that. Um, I've had... Again, like probably at about 26, about five years later, I had another massive sort of, again, breakdown, um, very much triggered by the breakup of a relationship. And mm. um, yeah, just, you know, I've continued to have these, you know, maybe once every five years. Um, mm. Mostly they get better and, you know, I'm, I'm better at handling them. I think it's just unfortunately or fortunately. I'm not someone who can sit and stagnate and sort of look at things. It's kind of a warning, I guess. I realize more now mm. that it's a kind of a warning that if I neglect my own needs and my mm. own mental health needs and my own, you know, physical needs, there's always something. There's always something I can peg it on. And it's yeah. more about being attentive and being aware of what those are. Mm. So maybe I'm not, you know, dealing with the situation properly or maybe I'm happy in my job. Sometimes it's physical. I mean, I've had, I mean, I had a one in South America, which is probably the worst place you can have one, um, you know, but it was, um, that was triggered by um, a bad reaction to, which I actually only realized years after I'd been taking um, a drug called Larium, which is uh, anti-malarial, which was ridiculous. I should never have been on it. Yeah. But, I mean, Larium triggers um, psychosis and terrible sleep patterns and, I was on an antidepressant at the time, so I should never have been within a hundred miles of it, but, it, oh, you know, but wow. actually, you know, every, every one of them you learn from, I mean, that was really quite, quite a big learning experience because I was on a trip, um, mm. was a trip, a trip I'd always dreamed of mm. and that kind of derailed. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to go home, but, um, I remember being in a hostel in Chile and sort of thinking, okay, what's well, over, I'm just going to get on a plane and go home. And people came out of the woodwork, you know, people I didn't know came out of the woodwork, just complete strangers who were on holiday, came out of the woodwork and said, you know, no, mate, it's all right. You're going to get through this. Come and spend a week with me and come and they oh, sort wow. of limped, limped me around all the way sort of around South America. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I did, my trip wasn't what it was meant to be, but, you know, it was amazing that these people took the time and that's something mm -hmm. that gave me real faith in humanity, I guess, is that there was no payoff for them to helping me. Yeah. They did, you know. And that was transformative as far as an idea went, you know, like mm. it's, I always thought people were good, but mm. people are more reliable than you think, you know, and yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, right up until, um, a few months ago, you know, with COVID, um, I was in a relationship. It was, uh, it had changed the parameters when I moved up to Queensland. Um, I was struggling to deal with some of those things. And when COVID came along, it was just too much. And I sort of had to hit the out button mm. and that triggered a whole bunch of, I guess, guilt and, and other, other things, you know, mm. and, um, which I think COVID has just been such a massive, I mean, 
I thought it was all me, but I mean, just I talk to a lot of people. I guess that's part of what my sort of safety mechanism is, is I talk to people all the time about their mental health, especially people I, know of, people I know are vulnerable. And so I don't mind. I take calls at like three in the morning and, mm. you know, and I don't expect, and there's no expectation and often there isn't, and those aren't the people I call, but I think it's always, it's a system, you know, like. I have my parents and my family and my friends that I contact when I've got a problem, hmm. but a lot of people don't have that. So to me, it's kind of like a, well, you know, I know I'm giving back now and then that person might not be the person I call hmm. when I have a problem, but it's all part of the same thing. You know, I think yeah. it's kind of this sort of, well, I'm super lucky to have that. They don't have that. So I'll be that for them. And, you know, essentially, you know, maybe they'll be that. I'm sure they will be that for someone else, you know, like. Yeah. One thing, uh, you know, I've had some mental challenges, mental health challenges myself. And, um, I think it's kind of ironic, you know, going through some of those challenges has put me in this position where I am now, you know, working as a, as a coach for people. But at the same time, you know, as I'm building my business and building my profile, um, there's a part of me that says, well, I shouldn't be vulnerable anymore now because I've put myself up there as a, as a, yeah. a guy, you know, I've, I've got yeah. some answers and, um, it's kind of like, well, when, when you do that, you've, you've lost the whole, whole point. So it's been a, a bit of a tricky, um, juggling act for me to, to sort of balance that, you know, obviously you've got to have boundaries. You don't just go out and tell everyone everything. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I think it's important to come to the table with vulnerability. And I, that's why I'm sort of enjoying this conversation right now is, is both of us here, you know, good mates from 20 years ago, happy to, yeah. to say, you know, it hasn't all been roses <laughs> for the last, uh, whatever it's been 20 years. And, um, there has been some challenges that we've, that we've faced along, along the way. Um, I recently got in contact with an old friend, um, as you know, I sort of got quite heavily involved with, uh, with the church group, you know, not long yeah. after, uh, the Irene Hall days. And, um, they, they were some fantastic times and, and met a, met a girl there and found out later, you know, that she had been through, through cancer, you know, yeah. and, um, I was just, I was really sad that I hadn't, and I, I, there's a little bit of that with, with you um sad that uh i hadn't been there you know to yeah. to be one of those people and um do you remember dom on the outside of the yeah, yeah. outside of the balcony like i still Safira and i just had our 22nd wedding anniversary and we went back to newcastle we stayed at noah's and uh, right. uh we sat in the park opposite uh irene oh, Hall, and we just i just was telling her some of the stories about uh the crazy days and <laughs> But uh, I trusted myself completely in that yeah. particular scenario. I had no worries for my safety and maybe I should have. Um, but when it's your own child, you know, I just worry. I think, is she going to be able to handle it? Um, well, it's such a next level. I mean, I got to experience it in the last relationship. With her. I'm still very much involved with the children because the children, it was a friend who I'd known for basically for 20 years. Hmm. I got involved with her and her children and yeah, it's like, it's completely, it's a different, it's a completely, it's a, it's a ball game. You can't, 
remove yourself from, you know. Like mm. There's a different type of love, and these weren't even my children, but just a kid is so there's such an honesty there that yeah you can't you can't be cynical about it you know like mm. i think with, i think with a relationship you can have distance and and you know some cynicism but with a child it's not it's not existent you know you just mm. can't and you know I'm, that's my perspective as a as an outsider to the situation i think as a someone of your own child just can't imagine yeah you you would worry all the time and you know <laughs> yeah concern must it just must be a never-ending concern you know but mm. um but I always think, you know, like I always think kids struggle through. I mean, that's what I see, especially in the, being in education. I've been here for like, oh, since I came back. So what, eight years now. And mm. um, yeah, like there is, there is a negativity. And I guess there is a, and especially the kids that I see where it's a huge socio, low, low socioeconomic area. Kids really struggle. Kids have terrible home lives, you know, and probably faced challenges that we would just, I mean, that our days were really innocent days. You know, we mm. didn't have, we didn't have the internet with twenty four seven bullying. We didn't have the, the the fear that you might post a picture and someone will pick it up and share around with all your classmates and ruin your life. We didn't, you know, we didn't have all this information coming through unfiltered where we don't know what's the truth. Like I mm. watch it as an ed educated person, and you sit there and you go, well, what is the truth about COVID? Because oh, I watched all that. Mm. If I watched all one sort of viewpoint, I could believe was a total lie. And if I watched something else, I could believe that it's totally the truth. So yeah. if you can do that as an educated individual, how how possible? How's it even how can we expect someone, you know, whose mind is still forming to kind of mm. jump through all these barriers? But I think the thing that I find though is we've always had that like I'm I'm big about one of the things I've sort of become a motto almost for me is is adaption. Mm. And I think that we adapt, you know, we adapt as humans. I think it's the most fundamental trait that we have. So whenever I worry too much about things, I just kind of think, well, no, kids will be all right because they're, they're adaptable. Yeah. I, it's not for me to find a solution. Mm. They will find their own solution. You know, mm. like I was talking to some kids about climate change and like, it's just relentless negativity. I'm teaching geography at the moment. So it's just relentless negativity. Mm. This is, you know, microplastic, the earth stuff, this is stuff, everything's yeah. doom and gloom. And you sit there and you think, oh my God, like I've just sent an hour talking to these kids about being a hopeless future. Mm. And then I sort of kind of had to sort of think of a way to kind of encourage them. And I said, well, you know, you guys will come up with a solution. And the great thing about that is there is no barrier to entry for you. I could have come up with the cure for anything in my bedroom. Mm. Yeah. And there would be so many obstacles to me to get that idea around that it would have almost been impossible Yeah, you know, because I might've had no background in it. You know, mm. I might've not had the contacts and that idea would just languish. Whereas mm. they have this wonderful thing that they can go online and they can pitch their idea on YouTube or TikTok or whatever medium, Reddit, whatever they're using. And mm. someone may take that idea seriously and go, well, hold on, there's something here. Yeah. And all of a sudden that idea goes from their bedroom to the boardroom. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, inc that's an incredible opportunity. Like no generation has ever had that much opportunity. Absolutely. And yeah. yet we look at it and go, oh, you know, there's so many things and yet they face the worst, the worst 
possible scenarios, I guess, with climate mm. and with jobs and with COVID and all these things. But I do really, I mean, I really honestly do believe that they'll find a way through and we're adaptable. That's what we are. You know, we yeah. can survive in hot, cold, you know, whatever. Chuck it at us, we'll do it, you know. Yeah. You can't do that with a fish. You know, you take a fish out of water, mm. it'll die, you know. Yeah. I guess we can't survive in water either. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we have. We've found a way to, yeah, to live. Yeah. 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 yeah so no, I think I adaption is a big it's a big thing for me. Like it's become a big thing. And mm. also I've been reading a lot of nature writing. I've been really on a really sort of a nature kick for the last maybe a few years. Mm. And I just I think nature's a great teacher. Um mm. because there's this whole I like the indifference of nature. Um, nature doesn't care whether I'm there. And so to engage with it, it's, you know, it's kind of on my terms. What I, what do I choose to get from it? It mm. doesn't ask anything. It does it. It gives lots, but it doesn't mm. ask anything, you know? So to go out and do a hike or do a walk, it really is just them it, it giving to me and me drawing from it. It's, yeah. it is, it, and, the, and the indifference of it is, you know, they just, it doesn't matter that I'm there. You know, like mm. nature doesn't care. The bird doesn't care. The tree doesn't care. You know, yeah. just roll with it. Take, you just take it in. You know, you just yeah. and that's a great that's a great gift because there's not many things in life that you can do that you don't really. It's only what you invest in, in is what you get back. You know, so you know, like taking the time out to actually notice things. You know, like is yeah. really valuable to me. I mean, I've started doing. I'm teaching art at the moment, and I mean, you know, you are artistic, but you know, when I've been traveling now. Of taking a sketchbook along and just doing sketches um i still take photos but um yeah i just find that like whole taking a drawing of something really sort of um really imprints it on your mind mm. you know, and you're really you're, you're present in, in a way that you are maybe if you're just wandering along taking selfies yeah yeah it's a bit of a mindfulness practice isn't it mm. we um uh that's people who are listening you you can't see me but my hair is like all messed up and i'm probably <laughs> red in the face because that's what we've been doing today we we do you know math science english history geography pdhp we do it out in the the bush and um love you know all of those things that you've just sort of pointed yeah. out about nature because it is such a it embodies learning um that whole ad adaptability piece i think it just is a is the essence of what learning is all about, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, another thing that I noticed too, like when I was in, when I had a big breakdown, I mean, two things, two lessons, really taught me two lessons when I was in my mid-20s. I had a, this huge breakdown. I was, you know, I was run, I started running um, and that was a great thing. And then mm. the running became out of control and I lost heaps of weight, had an eating disorder, mm. um, got down to like 70 kilos. I'm now a hundred. <laughs> Dream of those days. Um, but but you're yeah, such an of... extremist, don't you, Mark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're but not it... sitting in the middle of the spectrum, you're at one. No, no, no. So um, yeah, I loved it. I love I still, I mean, I, I would run today, but I've got that, I got the ankles of like a both my ankles are fused because um my ankles just collapsed. Mm. Um, so I had those done a few years ago. And now that's why I could do the hiking because I, I couldn't walk anymore. I was really yeah. struggling um, with arthritis. But um, yeah, but what, what I guess what really happened was during that time, yeah, I sort of just went off the rails. And 
kind of in this weird way where you kind of knew you're going off the rails, but I just couldn't see it, the whole picture, you know, like, mm. I, like there's a certain amount of craziness when you're looking at, you know, f fat content and eating rice crackers and Diet Coke as your main meal and running 8Ks a day. Yeah. There's, a, there's a part of you that knows the insanity behind that. And, mm. um, but you just can't quite get it until your body goes, hold on, I'm going to chuck mm. a panic attack right now because if I don't, <laughs> yeah, you know, like this is going to go seriously off the rails. And mm. um, the two, th two things that really sort of came for me out of that was one was I took up photography because I was stuck at home for a long time, sort of getting over back to a sort of no level of normality. And that was the most, probably one of the most transformative things I've ever done. And in terms of, I used to go, I lived in Lane Cove. I used to go down to this really quite terrible industrial park that was really like next to the, um, you know, the Lane Cove freeway or whatever the road is called. I can't remember. It's Centennial Way, it's Centennial Avenue. Mm. Um, really ugly, you know, and like it had like swamp and, you know, like buildings, big sort of industrial buildings and stuff like that, lots of garbage. But because I was trying to learn photography, I would go there every day and try and find something attractive about this place because it was close enough to kind of photograph. Mm. And, you know, just doing this over a month and, you know, I think it was about 10 weeks or 12 weeks I was off. Um, so I took all these photographs again, I had to get them developed, took hundreds of photographs and then got them developed. And when I went back to work, showed these people these photographs and they were like, oh my God, this place is gorgeous. Where is it? And I went, actually, no, it's actually it's actually an, it's really an industrial wasteland with a bit of park around it um <laughs> but i guess it taught me to focus it's what you look at you know yeah and i created this false world where it seemed to be and i kind of guess that's kind of kind of the instagram thing as well where people create a false universe where everything's happy and shiny you mm. know and that can be a danger but it's also it's 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 what you look at in life that matters. And mm. if you start, if you look at the positives, your life will be more positive. You Absolutely. know, if you look at the negatives, you're going to take away a lot of negativity. It doesn't mean your life's going to be a disaster. If you look at the negatives, lots of people do, but mm. you know, it's just how you deal with that process of that information. So I'm always consider myself an immensely positive person because I think when I do worry, I super worry and I'm super good mm. at that. So. I don't need that skill. <laughs> I got to yeah. practice the other one, you know, and even things like writing down. I remember during that time writing down, you know, the, the, the cliche things like, you know, what am I appreciative of today? Or yeah. what am I, what am I, what have I done today? That's going to be better than yesterday. You know, like oh, I got up at, you know, eight 30 instead of staying in bed until 11 or, you know, mm -hmm. all these little yeah. things that just, you know, it's the little successes that build. I think yeah. the hard thing is when you have a breakdown is that you you kind of think I can't go on and it's mm. never going to get better. Yeah. And once you're stuck in that rut, it's super hard to actually, you know, they say it takes half the time to that it took to dig the hole to get out of it. Yeah. You know? And some of these holes you've been digging for years, you know, mm. and, um, and it's kind of, you need and you, you want to get out of it as quickly as seemingly as quickly as you took to fall into it. But yeah. when you look at it in reality, it took years. Yes. So it's going to take maybe a year and a half to get completely better. But yeah. you need those little wins in between. Cause if you say it's a year and a half, you're going to be like, oh, 
you know, I can't feel like this for a year exactly. and a half. They like that's too big. It's too big. So you need yeah. those micro steps to just kind of say, you know what, I got out of bed and I felt mm. I didn't feel good all day, but I felt good for three hours of the day. And I didn't think about, you know, the horrible things of my life for half an hour of the day. So yeah. I'm better than yesterday. Yeah. I mean, some people might think it's trite, you know, to just think of things that, are, that you're grateful for, but it's something that I do with all of my clients, like as simple yeah. as it is, it's something I do every single time uh, to go through a gratitude process to find success and then figure out what are the small steps that you want to uh, take today. Like, um, and sometimes when I share it, I'm running a course uh, now for TAFE and I, I shared that with, um, with the group and a lot of people said, yeah, I'm, uh, I've heard those sort of things before. And I said, are you doing it? Oh, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> but, you know, they've heard of it before. So sometimes people think that just because they've heard it, that they're actually reaping the benefits somehow just by knowing it. Whereas yeah. you, you don't reap those benefits unless you actually go through and, and do the process. I, I wanted to pick up on something that you said before. Uh, we had a... Um, a guest on the podcast, uh, Simone Leslie, who talks a lot about the positive purpose of pain. And I'm just curious to know, you know, when you've had those uh, struggle times um, in your life, do you recognize what it's trying to achieve? You know, do you recognize the, the positive purpose? And if um, so, do you recognize it straight away? Or is it like that? No, it takes time because generally it's panic attacks and panic attacks are just horrific. Like, yeah, there's no part of a panic attack where you sort of have that sort of the cognition to kind of just step away from it. It's, yeah. it's all encompassing. And, yeah. um, so then it's really hard, but you do get that kind of perspective. And I suppose, I guess now, like I can get, I immediately start sort of once I've sort of lost that moment of sheer terror, I'll start going, okay, what's wrong? What's wrong? What, what are you not doing? What are you not fixing? You know, what, 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 are you, what is, what has brought you to this point where you kind of, you know, you didn't think, and I'll, you know, I think I'll always have those points. I think it's part of my life. You know, mm. I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing because yeah. I think I would be far worse being someone who sits stagnant, you know, in just an unhappy, whatever mm. job relationship, Hmm. circumstance you know um just gonna jump in on this interview you're listening to the blueprint and we're talking about trying not to panic with mark glover 10 tips for overcoming anxiety and depression and i just want to draw out some of the gold that uh, mark has shared so far and the first piece that i really noticed was the the piece about vulnerability where we talked about just being honest being real and i think that mark is absolutely exemplifying this uh, in the interview so far and the topic that we've just uh, brought up now it goes back to an interview that I did with Simone Leslie I'll, I'll put a link just below wherever you're listening to this podcast and it talks about the positive purpose of pain and whenever we are going through some sort of struggle it's usually that there's a part of us that is trying to achieve success but it's going about success in a in a different way than what we would normally um, approach it 
So in this case, uh, Mark's talking about uh, panic attacks or anxiety and depression, those sorts of things. Those uh, things that obviously on the surface don't look like success, but in one sense they are trying to self-correct and and put some things back into into place or back into perspective. And that's what uh, Mark's just identifying right now. And there's one other thing that I just want to draw out, and that is creativity. Mark has identified that his drawing and his photography have been key elements in helping him on his road to recovery. Not only that, but creativity that uh, uses nature as its stimulus, uses nature as a, as a way to draw from and, and gain a sense of peace and healing and restoration. He also mentions focusing on the positive and we talked about how, you know, that can be a little bit cliche and it comes across sometimes as cliche in some circles, but it absolutely works, but it only works if you are doing the process. So don't forget, you can get Mark's 10 tips for overcoming anxiety and depression. There's a link just below wherever you're listening to this podcast. I'm actually going to split this podcast in two because there's so much content in here, but I don't want you to miss out on any. So we're going to split this into two episodes. So that's all we have for this week. Make sure you download Mark's guide, 10 tips for overcoming anxiety and depression. The link is just below wherever you are listening to this podcast, or you can go to blueprintlifeacademy.com.au forward slash Mark, and you can download it there. All right. I look forward to catching you next week when we continue this interview. Try not to panic with Mark Glover.